I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Otenko. With me as always, my good friend, Mike Minkoff. Hello, Adam. Hello, listeners. I hope those celebrating had a, had a nice holiday and got some wonderful gifts to offset the lumps of coal the Celtics have been sending our way of late. We are recording this right after a loss to Minnesota. Josh Motenko, the coach, is out with a non-COVID, uh, I don't know, he's just out. He's out. Today on the podcast, we are reacting to this Minnesota game, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to talk about the last couple of games, some trends. People are in, people are out, musical chairs with COVID. And uh, we'll talk about who's emerging and who is submerging uh, before hitting the next couple of games. Mike, was this the worst loss of the season? Maybe. I don't know. I, it's, I, I can't isolate it in my brain. This is just one on what's now become a mountain of really frustrating losses over the past um, season and a half. I, I would say this this just has all of the, the same kind of feel to it as the frustrating start to the season when the Celtics went two and five, the entirety of last season when we were just up and down, up and down. And now, you know, we've been, now we're two games below 500. We're 15 and 17, um, but you know, for the we're I think one and three in our last four games where we had been kind of hovering right around 500. We're just we're at best an average team, and that's just what it is. And uh, you know, this losing, you know, collapsing in the fourth quarter against a team that was down basically its entire. Uh, core rotation is is that uh, you know it's disheartening to say the least yeah this minnesota team uh i didn't i mean i'd like to think i know most of the players in the nba i didn't know half of these guys uh and some of them were right off the street including greg monroe who hadn't played in years years plural with an s at the end uh and he played well he dominated (laughs) uh uh, yeah, I, this team, they were missing, the Minnesota team, they're missing their top three players, down most of their rotation players except for two. Uh, a really, really ugly loss because we were up by 10 for most of the game, got into the fourth quarter, and Minnesota went on a 14-2 run that may have actually started in the third, but it was at the beginning of the fourth, and we couldn't come back from that. They went on a run, and we just could not come back. Uh, and the whole game, I mean, I told you, Mike, it was like, it was an ugly game. It was like watching teams that didn't know how to play together and I said at least the Celtics have played together at least you've got Horford Pritchard uh, Jalen Brown Robert Williams uh, Grant Williams at least they've played together um, and I thought that gave us the advantage and I thought we would win tonight I think I even told you this should be an easy win for us and I think we were up 10 at, the, at that time and so this is a really disappointing yeah. loss there's some like mathematical 
impossibility. I'm looking at the box score and, you know, single game plus minus doesn't, doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but I'm just trying to comprehend. Okay. I'm just, Peyton Pritchard played 45 minutes. He was a plus one. Jalen Brown played 39 minutes. He did. He had a terrible shooting game. He was eight of 24, uh, eight for 13 from the three, uh, from the free throw line, two for eight from a three point line. So he wasn't very efficient. He had 26 points, but he was plus 11 in 39 minutes. Again, Romeo Langford played 36 minutes. A lot of those had to have overlapped with Peyton Pritchard, who played all but three, and Jalen Brown, who played 39. Somehow, Romeo Langford was minus 32 in this game. I can't, like, mathematically comprehend how much he would have had to have been outscored by, like, the the five-man units when he was on the court. It doesn't even make sense. Anyway. um, Yeah, I don't... I mean, what... (sighs) I, yep. I think what's so no, not I think. I know what's so frustrating with this team is that it just I mean, what what was incomprehensible this game is like in the second half, the defense seemed to always be in the wrong place. And like you said, these are guys that have largely played together. Like everyone that was playing today has been on the roster since day one of this season. So I don't I don't know why nobody knew how to play defense all of a sudden um <laughs> like literally like I, I i don't think i can count as high as the number of open three pointers like with literally our defender running away from the guy about to catch the ball i saw in the second half so and and this game is coming off the heels of the celtics playing a phenomenal 43 minutes against the milwaukee bucks only to completely collapse in the last five minutes while Giannis, you know yeah, reign, former MVP, reigning champion. Giannis is great. And we didn't have Horford, who's our best Giannis defender. That's all fine. Uh, but we still just have all of these bad habits that, that consistently manifest so that we're a 500 team. And and I, you know, we are, this is our last podcast of 2021. 2021 has not been a good year for Celtics basketball. Um. And, you know, I, I think Brad Stevens needs to have some New Year's resolutions uh, and, and really thinking about, you know, is he going to wait and just, you know, hope this team evolves into something it's pretty clearly proven it's not, which is a great team with this with this um, cast of, of, of characters? Or is he going to make some proactive moves and, and maybe really seriously shake things up? I'm... I'm increasingly pessimistic that a team built around Tatum, Brown, and Smart is going to get us anywhere close to where we want to be. Mike, you mentioned the Milwaukee game. That was another tough loss. Milwaukee was uh, down the entire game against us. They took the lead for the first time in the fourth quarter with 30 seconds left. Um, They play like a team on offense. You could tell, even down some guys, that Milwaukee Bucks team is a championship level team. They look like they've won a championship because they have. And Jason Tatum still thinks he can win through isolation. It's frustrating at the end of that game. A couple of stats came out during that game. Number one, the Celtics have the second most losses in the clutch in the NBA this season with 12. That's a lot of losses in the clutch. 13 and, with this game. 13 with this game. Yep. 13 with this game. I don't know whether that makes them first or second at this point, but tops, they're at the top of the league. 
Um, and number two, second stat, Jason Tatum, the number one scorer in the fourth quarter in the NBA this year so far. And it there was a somewhat significant margin between him and the second person. Those are two stats. Tatum's the number one scorer in the fourth quarter, and the Celtics are one or two in most losses in the clutch. Are those related statistics? Do you think there's... Well, I, I think there's a number there's a number of, of factors that go into it. So there's certainly correlation. I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly related. I mean, one is like a, you have players like Steph Curry or even Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, you know, top scorers on actually great teams aren't going to need to score a lot in the fourth quarter because their teams are winning by enough that they don't play as many minutes. So part of it is simply a function of the Celtics being in enough close and so many close games that Tatum is logging tons of minutes at the end of the games. Um, and that goes in both directions. We're not getting blown out either. So, so Tatum's not, not, you know, riding the pine in a blowout in the fourth quarter either. Um, so, and then the other part, and I think this is the part you were, you were fishing for is right. The, Tatum, it becomes ISO heavy basketball when we get late in games and we stop running our offense. We, we start just settling for kind of isolation shots. Everyone goes into hero mode and it's bad offense and we collapse. Um, but you know, if, if you have a high enough volume, even if it's inefficient, you put up numbers. (laughs) So, um, so I think, I think it's both of those factors heavily play into it. And obviously Tatum is the guy that gets the ball in his hands, uh, most of the time. And I mean, he is our best offensive player. Uh, that That is true. It's just, I think he's just a 23 year old. That's that, that still, you know, hasn't internalized how to actually put his team in the best position to win in a way that's distinct from kind of, you know, I, I think he does certain things uh, it, that kind of represent team basketball because he's being told to do them more so than because he like really believes it's the right thing to do. And I, 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 I loop this all the way back to the quote he had in preseason about like, people are telling me to take the ball to the, the hoop. I like the fade away, you know, but I'll take it to the hoop a little bit. Like, you know, he, he has a vision for how his game should be. And that is not super compatible in my opinion with, with great team basketball. Um, and, and he's been a really, really good team basketball player in his career. And he's really young and had a really productive career. But I still think to be like a truly elite star that can carry a team to a championship level, that's an area where he, he hasn't shown he's there yet. There does seem to be a causal relationship. It appears to me that when the fourth quarter comes and the Celtics are in a close game, that then causes Jason Tatum to say, I'm going to do this myself. Time to time for JT time. Time for that fadeaway that I love. Time for me to uh, to win, put the team on my back and and win this game. And he, you're right, he hasn't figured it out. And lose this game, you mean? Time to put the team on this back and lose. I, 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 carry, I don't, carry the team to defeat. I don't imagine that that is what is going on through his head. Uh, we are we are like we are one in eight. We're something atrocious in like close losses and close games, like games that finish like less than five points in the last minute or something like games that kind of come down to the wire we're, 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 we're like one and eight. We're one. In, I mean, it would be bad luck if it wasn't so clearly tied to these bad habits. 
You know what makes me feel better about all of it? No, I genuinely don't. <laughs> it is that Ime Odoka understands. He knows what we're feeling. Here's a quote. This is before this past game. This is at the after the um, the Milwaukee game. He said, we have to figure this out as a team and a coaching staff, how to maintain these leads, especially late in games. It gets a little frustrating, obviously, and sometimes it's as simple as making shots. The endings in a lot of these games, we feel like we're giving away. I feel a little bit better when Ime Odoka says exactly what's on my mind, and yeah, I'm well, excited he, to see what he, he's going to say in the press conference. Well, I, I got I, I got you a quote uh, tweeted by tweeted out by Brian Robb of Mass Live. Um, Ime Odoka on the defense uh, after after the T Wolves game. Quote, to get carved up like we did tonight was embarrassing. And you know what? It was embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Greg Monroe, this guy McKnight, I don't know his first name. Uh, Noel, I don't know his first name. <laughs> These guys were just draining open threes. They were out jumping, out hustling, out running our entire team, out rebounding for sure. It was like Monroe, McKnight, and Noel like putting you know, our starting center and power forward and, and backup for, you know, Williams, Horford and Williams in the blender for the entirety of the second half. Uh, truly, truly, really just a pathetic performance. Um, and, you know, I would want to give guys like Horford and Grant Williams the benefit of the doubt because they're just coming off of the COVID protocols, but we're they're playing against a team that, had a bunch of like also rands and retreads so um yeah you don't get the benefit of the doubt in that case yeah i thought horford looked looked pretty good for his first game back as well mike we did have a good win against cleveland uh there is a couple of guys emerging that i'm happy to see i've been banging the drum for peyton pritchard getting playing time and he is playing well i love how aggressive he is uh he scored a bunch of points in this game He's been confident in a way that we haven't seen since last season. It's possible that that mask that he had on with the, I guess he broke his nose. I can't remember exactly what it was. That may have affected him. It looked like it did. Uh, But the last few games, he's once he's got playing time, he's decided that I'm going to shoot the ball. I'm going to be aggressive on offense. I don't care if people are upset at me for not passing them the ball. And I love what I'm seeing from him. This is like the Peyton Pritchard that we expected coming into this season after his his summer league. And um, it's nice to see. And I, and I hope he continues to get minutes once everybody is healthy again. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about this last week. Like, I, I think we'd all rather see Pritchard get those minutes consistently instead of Schroeder. Um, it would be great if the Celtics can move Schroeder. I've tried to, fa- like... I just want us to have a, a player that can consistently penetrate and, and create for others. Um, Pritchard can't quite do that. Uh, he, he can space the floor. He can kind of, you know, he can, he can put a little bit of pressure on the defense, but um, he can't, you know, he, he still can't like really break down his defender consistently and get into the paint in a way that like generates really quality uh situations for for guys around him on a consistent basis sometimes he does sometimes you can tell he's just a little too small or not quite athletic enough but he's definitely playing better it's clear dating back to the last season when Kemba was out versus when Kemba came back from his injury at the start of the season how much better Pritchard plays when he has a consistent role in the rotation um and you know there are some guys that that can navigate having that like 
incon those inconsistent minutes much better than others and and Pritchard clearly is one that like you give him a solid 20 to 25 minutes or in this case 45 minutes um and he's going to perform at a much higher level than if you're giving him spot minutes here and there so Peyton Pritchard is emerging the other guy that is emerging is Romeo Langford Mikey had his I think best game of the season against uh Cleveland his interior defense was phenomenal post defense against Kevin Love uh, I loved it. He rebounded well. Uh, he's been continuing to hit shots. I wasn't sure if that would that would uh, his percentages would stay high, but but he's still making threes and um, he's driving the ball well. And I just he's he's a very nice complimentary player right now. Yeah, I mean, this game, you know, I, I mentioned the plus minus before. He had kind of a mathematically impossible minus thirty two against against the Timberwolves in a game we lost by five, and in a game he played thirty six minutes. I I still I genuinely cannot understand how that happens. I'm wondering if it's like a, a mistake in the ESPN box score because it just doesn't make sense to me. But, um, and and he was pretty atrocious in the second half defensively of this game. He was very frequently the one involved in in the the flubbed assignments um, on the defensive rotations. But aside from that, I fully agree his his presence as kind of a t defensive. Um, force his wingspan really is disruptive whether it's it's standing guys up in the post and, and being able to block shots kind of uh, uh more effectively than you would think given his height at six five or getting his hands into passing lanes getting deflections getting steals i think even in this game he had um like four four steals he had three blocks so th those are really uh, significant numbers uh, as far as kind of create it creating you know offensive possessions for your team um he he does need he went over four from three today it would be nice to nice to see him continue to improve the shot and continue to drive a bit more assertively um he's kind of relegated to the corner too often on offense and i, I feel like we're still not taking full advantage of his perspective skill set uh but it's nice to see him get more consistent run on the other side of that coin, Juancho Hernan Gomez is getting minutes. Mike, uh, do you know what his three-point percentage is on the season? I'm gonna say. Yeah, why don't you Why don't you give me a give me an over under? I'm gonna go with eight point seven percent. It's eighteen point eight. Oh, I was okay. All is right, there a difference? That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like one out of every nine. Uh, one out of every eleven, actually. Oh, um, if the yeah. alternatives were players in the league i would say let's not play him but uh i don't know what to do yeah the, i mean the worst part is that not only is hernan gomez playing he was playing and sharing the floor with jabari parker and sam hauser for minutes this evening like i mean i i i, I wrote this in the celtics blog slack i will never ever ever understand why jabari parker is on the celtics um he we we made a promise to him last year to sign him for two years i'm convinced it's just because he's part of the church of latter-day saints a, a mormon like danny i i don't know why i can't there's no basketball reason so i've got to assume it's some other reason because he he doesn't make sense as like he doesn't fill any role for this team He's terrible, and he, I'm pretty sure, was just sent here to suck joy out of my Celtics viewing experience. Do you have any alternative theories here, Adam? 
yeah, I don't think we actually promised him that he would stay this year. And I'm buying time right now to look up when we can waive him and still um, get rid of half his contract because um, I think he's a potential trade chip to a team that wants to save money. So yeah, I'm not finding it, but I, I, I think we can still cut him or another, we could trade him and another team can still cut him and not have his salary on the books on, on, on the cap for this year. I could be wrong about that. I would love to cut him. That's all. That's all I know. Him, Hernan Gomez. What do you think the, okay. So 2021 is basically over. 2022 is ahead of us, Adam. Like, what do you what do you think the team like where are we like where are we as we reflect on the Boston Celtics 2021 and look ahead to 2022 you are reminding me i think it was last podcast i, I believe we were talking i was talking about trading dennis schroeder and you were or maybe no josh richardson and i and you were saying something about like he's playing the best basketball on the team right now and why would we trade him and i said because we're not a contender we're just not a contender this year. This is not a, this is not the year for us. So, I mean, I, I think you hope that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that something clicks and they start to get it in terms of playmaking. I think you hope that this team develops an additional sense of grit and 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 hustle. They, I mean, we are at the end of December, right? We're not back in early November, late October, when we were having all these the problems that led to losses that looked similar to this, just against real NBA competition, right? So I hope we figure some things out. I hope Emeo Doka starts getting through to them that we actually, I mean, it's two steps forward, one step back. I do see us making progress, but we, it needs to culminate in, into something. And, and I think we could go on a run later in the year. I, I would actually be surprised if we didn't, uh, that what a strange season, who knows what is going to happen, who knows who's going to play and when. So, um, but, but we're well, not, we're not going far in the playoffs this year. I mean, look, we're still like three, four games out of sixth place. Uh, we're still in the playoff. No, we're, I, that's yeah. Well, I, that right. And I agreed with you last week that we're not a contender, but I also said at the time that we could end up, we could still end up in the top four in the, in the East. Um, and, and I think that's true. I think, I think it's a bit unlikely, but I, I do think it's still possible. We could end up in around the fourth seed. Um, I mean, the reality is we have the second easiest schedule remaining on the season. Um, we, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Not when, not when we play down to the, the level of competition every game. Mike, are, are you a are you an NBA team looking to increase your confidence? Come play the Boston Celtics. We can help you do that. We'll see. We'll see. I I, I think I think you're wrong, <laughs> just flat out. Um, I mean that Cleveland team we played was not the best version of them. Um, I I think this is, frankly, I mean, we are glossing over a little bit the fact that we didn't have two of our our three best players, in in Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. So we didn't have our yeah. most important player on offense and our most important player on defense. I, I mean, that that is significant. It, it's not a legit excuse because the team we played didn't have all of their best players. Um, but it, it the reality is like we're we're also not the team that was out there tonight, though we, we were more of the team than than they were. Um, no, I. 
I don't know. I, I think it will matter come January. January, we have a much easier schedule. We're about to start a homestand, though starting that homestand without Tatum is painful. We got what might represent good news with the NBA and NBPA agreeing to a shorter um, uh, window for players uh, to potentially return if they're if they're shown to not be able to tr- uh, transmit the disease. It, it's down from 10 days to as, as few as six days, um, which, which would be pretty su- significant, uh, especially if Tatum is boosted, um, fully vaccinated and boosted because the data continues to show uh, that players that are fully boosted and, you know, all human people that are fully vaccinated and boosted uh, recover much, much more quickly um, from infection. So, so Tatum could be back by the, I guess he might only miss three games, the next three against LA, then Phoenix, and then Orlando at all at home in Boston. Uh, Tatum could be back as early as the game after. So Adam, I have one important parting question for you here. You know, we're missing, we're down, we're down our leading offensive player. Uh, His 10 day contract's about to expire and we're about to start a homestand. Should we sign IT or is that type of distracting sideshow the last thing a team that can't figure itself out needs? I mean, is, is Tatum okay as the, the current king of the fourth signing the previous king of the fourth? Uh, yes, we sign Isaiah Thomas. And listen, fans, let me be really clear about this. I know you're going to want to see IT play. He may get run if we sign him, but... Um, Let's not overblow this. This guy is not the same guy he used to be. He's not He's not going to make the roster long term. It would be nice to see him on a 10-day or two. If they expand the amount of time that we can have replacement players, that'd be cool to have Isaiah Thomas on this team a little bit longer. But I actually think that there's there could be an odd dynamic between Thomas, uh, Brad Stevens, and the fans. I think the fans are going to have a taco-like effect or greater with Isaiah Thomas, far greater for Isaiah Thomas. And let's not like go overboard on playing IT 30 minutes a night. Um, this team is not tanking yet. I mean, Mike, you asked before, what what do we do this season? I think we we do what I've been saying. We trade some of the older guys. We, we rebuild um, going forward. We keep Tatum and Brown. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is not the answer to any of that stuff, but it'd be fun to have for a little while. I think we have to be very I I'm not quite ready to blow it up <laughs> but the clo- the to- the clock is ticking and the the window is closing very very fast. Um after this season doesn't Jalen only have two more years? Yeah. On his deal. Yeah, so that's not I mean that's like if Basically, if the start of next season doesn't go well, I think the good management decision would be to try to flip Jalen for a piece that fits better next to Tatum. Like that's that's I think how close we are to completely rearranging the deck chairs. And that might not be the approach that's taken, but you just every every second you move forward on that clock, you know, you, you lose your leverage and you get closer to risking someone just walking away without any return. Yep. Um, so 
you know, we, again, we have a year and a half at least of evidence that this mix is just something's kind of, you know, there's something in the water and it, 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 it doesn't taste quite right. And I don't know. Um, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see over the next couple of months how, you know, what, what deals are made. I would be shocked if we had the same roster. Well, you know, hardship exceptions aside, uh, if we had the same roster, you know, come February 11th that we do today. But that's yeah this this has been a painful stretch i think i think we have brighter days ahead in january um and hopefully kind of people can get out of protocols and we can get some consistency together but um but this was this is pretty dispiriting uh holiday holiday week here for the celtics do you sign it i don't know uh i i wouldn't be excited about it i mean i i'd like I, as a fan yes as a as a gm probably not to be honest, um, I don't. I don't think he helps the team. Um, I don't buy the argument that he juices up the crowd in a way that's actually productive or useful for the on-court product. And and I don't think he has the right. He's he's the right guy to kind of energize um, the current roster. Uh, the the player from the those teams that I actually feel like would be best to put onto this roster. It would be like Jay Crowder. I feel like Jay Crowder is the type of competitor and like gritty guy that would Great, just get lovely. in people's yeah, face. Of and, um, you know, it, we need more guys that are gritty defenders <laughs> shooting threes that were all like, no, 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 no. Yes. Those maybe. guys are not coming off the waiver wire. So, um... no, of course not. Uh, no, we, I, look, we don't need another small guard that score first that can't play defense. Uh, I, I, so as a GM, do I want IT? No, I don't. As a fan, do I want IT? Yeah, sure. What about as a coach? No, I don't. Yeah, agreed. There you have it, Celtics fans. Go do something else. This team right now is not good for mental health. Uh, so go, <laughs> go distract yourself with, with something else. Uh, before you do, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just going to say, and have a wonderful new year uh, to, a, to a better 2022 for everyone, the world over, and the Celtics included. Cheers to a brighter future. Stay safe, everyone. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at Celtics Pride Pod or at Mike Minkoff, NBA. I am not on Twitter. Thank you for listening. You are a part of Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog. Celtics Blog.